With great mojo comes great responsibility. Mojo 5 Mojo 5 We will make America great again. Sam Sorbo. Welcome to the Sam Sorbo Show. I'm joined right now by a dear friend of mine, actually. She is, uh, she's labeled by the media as an unabashed America-loving homemaker. Kimberly Fletcher is the president and founder of Moms for America. She's also the author of Women, America's Last Best Hope. She's a radio show host. She's a contributing editor with townhall.com. She's a woman with indefatigable energy, and I like to call her friend. Kimberly Fletcher, welcome to the program. Thank you. It is so good to be here with you today. You are a friend. <laughs> you might think that you're an, an unabashed uh, feminist, but in the true sense of the word, in other words, uh, you believe in uh, the, the feminine mystique, the, the supernatural power of femininity as opposed to masculinity, not trying to be like a man, but being more of a woman. Absolutely. That was the historic term that everyone used when they talked about the greatness of women and the powerful influence that we have. So that is what I embrace. Exactly. And so and you had a you had a big watershed moment on September 11th, as I think a lot of us did. But for you, it was more personal because your husband was working at the Pentagon. Yes, he was um, stationed at the Pentagon. And the day before, my daughter uh, had problems with her asthma. And so I took her to the, the doctor and they prescribed medication and her ID had expired, which is attached to our insurance. So I called my husband on the way home and I asked him if he could take her to the to Quantico to get her ID card. And that's where he was um, on 9-11. But he was supposed to be in the very room where... The, the very area in a room with a meeting with where the plane hit and he um the, the first plane hit on the way taking my daughter back to school the second plane hit just as he had dropped her off and he realized at that point in time that it was not an accident and so he was heading to the pentagon but he stopped at, at, at our house for about 20 minutes called into the pentagon watched the news for a little bit and every single one of those things kept him from being there that very moment and i I will tell you, it changed our whole entire family's um, trajectory. <laughs> and I, that was the day that I went from becoming patriotic to becoming a patriot because I realized what the price of freedom was and I was willing to pay it. And so tell me what you're doing now. So right now we are heavily involved in supporting moms across the country. I'm sure that you as a, as a mom have seen this mom led revolution going across the country where moms are very upset, frustrated and, and angry justifiably of what's going on in our children's schools. Um, the four main things that really really have them hot and and myself as well the vaccine mandates the mask mandates the comprehensive sex education the critical race theory all of these things that are teaching our children to hate their country hate their neighbors and hate themselves and put them in physical emotional and, and mental harm and so we um wanted to reach out to moms and help them realize the powerful influence that they have and teach them what their rights are, where they come from and how to effectively exercise them. So we have a a program called the Cottage Meeting Project, and that is where we teach moms the story of America 
and the principles of liberty and the constitution in a way that instantly resonates with them. We teach them what to fight for. So when they're fighting against, they're more effective. And so then we get involved in the fight. And of course, right now, uh, we just launched a, um, a parent strike across the country to give moms something to do right now where they can have their voice heard. What is that? What's the parent strike? So we realized that we didn't have or had little to no um, legal recourse when it comes to fighting back against the schools, the administrators on the mask mandates and political recourse. Yes, I believe 100 percent that we are going to take elected office from school boards all the way up to Congress. Um, But until then, we have a problem right now where moms are concerned about the safety of their children. They're being mandated to have masks to go to school. And so we needed to do something civil disobedience. And so we're encouraging parents across the country. If you want to have a voice now, yes, continue to show up in the school board meetings, call your legislators, get relationships with your school board members. But in the meantime, while they're ignoring you, then you can strike. And so while we're waiting for that political recourse, we can keep our children home. So we're encouraging parents across the country, the first day of school, call the school and let them know we entrusted our children to you. You broke that trust. And until it's restored and our demands are met, we will keeping our children home. I, I love it. Every day you keep your child away from the school is a day the school doesn't get funded. That's right. So maybe you could, and maybe you could just, uh, you know what, Kimberly, you could um, expand that to be one day a week. Just take one day a week with your child. They're not going to like lose out in terms of, you know, do, do, do a little bit extra homework with them for that day, but just take the day off. And don't, whatever you do, don't go to the school and get the work from the school because then the school will say, well, it was, it was like the child was in school. Yeah. Um, and I'm not actually, um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how the funding works, but I do know that the, that the funding's tied to the child. The funding of the school is tied to the child, which is funny because it's outside of that paradigm. It's not tied to the child. So if the child <laughs> just leaves school, the funding doesn't follow the child. But while the child's enrolled in school, it's that. So anyway, yeah, they could they could strike one day a week and just say, no, we're you know, this is our 20 percent that we that we feel that we can do to impose our will upon you. Absolutely. And at the same time, um, even if you're digital learning, um, the attendance, the way it works is you have to be in school a certain number of hours. And I think it's three hours. And then you're you're classified as being attending and then they get the money for the student. I I know this because I'm military and they always ask for military members, uh, family members, because they get extra money. If you are a military family, know that there's all kinds of things that they, that they do. So when military families step up and say, they're not going to come, that's a powerful, that's a powerful play. They're always hungering for us to come to their schools because it gets, it gives them more money. So anytime we can take away their money, we're making. Why are military children more stupid than other children? <laughs> I have no, I have no idea that they 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 get money for that. <laughs> that is so random and I, odd. I know. <laughs> there are schools that that vie for us to come to their schools because of that. So I have uh, coming on later in the show, a, a young woman who is running for school board, um, who is fed up. She's, she's a mom. She's fed up with the mandates. She's fed up with the overreach. She sent me a video of the school superintendent saying uh, to, to somebody, they're talking about the rules. And he said, there's a paragraph that talks about the CDC suggestions 
um, for protocols and whatever. He said, you might as well just strike that because we're making up our own rules now. And everybody laughed like that's so funny. It's not funny, folks. They're not allowed to do that. And they have your tax dollars. They have your money that they're spending. Well, worse than that, they have your children. We have a a mom in Florida. Last year, she um, had a seven-year-old little boy, and he was in PE running in the heat and the the humidity of Florida. And he pulled down the mask down below his nose so that he could breathe. The teacher yelled at him, made him put the mask over his mouth and nose, and then made him run laps as punishment with that mask on. That's child abuse. And and that's the mom who rose up and said, um, no. And she started stop masking our kids. So we are having an impact. And the more that moms stand up and, and unite together and say, no, this is unacceptable. The more we're going to be heard. There are a lot of school boards who are who are changing their rules and their policies or whatever they think the CDC's you know, power is. And, and right now they're, they're putting it all on the CDC. Well, the CDC says, or the county health administrator says. And so what we're doing is we're going into the school boards and we're saying, you have the power to say no. And, and we expect you to do that for the health and well-being of our children. And some of them are standing up and saying, okay, well, we're not gonna make the masks be, be mandated. But there are some school boards that just won't budge. We had a whole bunch of, of moms that were involved in, in Tennessee just a couple of weeks ago. Thousands of parents stood outside the school board and they were chanting outside, no mask mandates, no mask mandates. And the, the school board passed it anyway. Yeah. So we're being it. ignored. Yeah. I'm sorry so to we're say. Gonna, we're going to replace like That's them. what floats their boat. They're like, yeah, we showed them. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> They they shall be replaced. I'll just say that. (laughs) Well, I I hope so. But I'll say in my great state of Florida now, DeSantis said there will be no mandates for schools. And um, and if you mandate in your schools, then the state won't fund the school like you won't get money from the state. And Biden just stepped in and said, well, the federal government will send them funds. So, yeah. So the, (laughs) the the president of the United States Um, has no authority, whoever they are, to mandate that anybody does anything or does not do anything. All they can do is bribe and blackmail with the money. So we need to get rid of the Department of Education so they have no money. And in all honesty, the little bit that they give comes tied with so many legal restrictions that it costs more to receive it than it does to just reject it. So I would encourage school districts across the country, reject it. And, And where is this monopoly money coming from anyway that the federal government is going to pick off the, the money tree and send to these states? It doesn't exist. So we need to make this about local. And finally, after 15 years of me saying, it's all about local people, they're getting it and they're realizing the power of the school boards. There's nothing more local than home and family. And the very next thing is the school board. And now we see moms and dads actively, especially moms, getting engaged and realizing the power of that. And they are running for school board. And we're going to do everything we can to make sure that, that moms in the communities know who these school board members, these school board candidates are so that they can elect people that are going to protect their children and, and make sure that they also protect their constitutionally protected rights. Right. So I, w- I have a last question before uh, before we plug a couple of events that you have coming up. Um, I, I just want to ask you this because parents struggle with, you know, uh, critical race theory being taught in our schools. This isn't just about the masks. This is about there's a, there's a ton of stuff that's being taught in the schools and the parents are going to these school board meetings and they're railing against what the school boards are enacting in our schools in terms of teaching. And so 
I have a little bit of pushback on that. And I look, I'm, I'm all for parents going in and fighting in the school system, but I'm not for, I'm not for children being subjected to things while the parents are fighting against those things because it right. sends the wrong message to the child. And, and because it's bad for the child, if it's bad enough for the parent to go and try to fight it, it's, it's too bad. It's bad. And it's worse for the child. Right. And yeah. my pushback is this. If you think that the problem is CRT or the problem is the masks or the problem is the 1619 project, you've missed the boat. The problem is the system that allowed those things to rise and come to the forefront. And you're too late. You're too late because those problems are just symptoms and you're not really going to the source of the problem which is the system itself and the degradation that has happened over decades. This isn't new. This is just the next step in a very long line of of the decomposition of education in the United States. Yeah, You remember when um, Common Core was like the the big buzz and all the moms were going out and showing up at the school board meetings and fighting back and they thought they won. And then they went home and I'm like, what did, what did you win? <laughs> All of the textbooks have already been completely conformed to promote Common Core. Right. So our children are still getting Common Core. And I, I was watching a school board meeting um, on video in Ohio a couple months ago, and all these parents showed up and, and like clockwork, you know, they got their three minutes, one after another, and they were great for 45 minutes. And then the chairman said, okay, that ends the public comment section of the meeting, of the meeting. And all of those parents got up and left and the meeting went on for another hour and a half. And I'm like, my head was going to explode. I'm like, do you not realize what's going on for that hour and a half that you just walked away from? And that's our problem is that we walked away and, and we're like, okay, our kids are in school. We've got our me time. We're doing our things. It's all good. And, and this is the results. You're not going to turn this around overnight. And even when we get members of parents, uh, active citizens who, who are concerned about these things into these these school board positions, they are so bullied by the school board association and the teachers unions and, and indoctrinated in that level that they think, oh, we this is how you're a good school board member because that's how they're trained. So we have to be able to be on the front lines constantly. And that doesn't mean that we have to be at every school board meeting or give up our lives to, to, to do this. We just have to have the branded t-shirts and one of us shows up in proxy at every board meeting. And anytime there's something that happens, we call in the mom mob and they all show up, but everybody takes a turn being there. But the, what the school board sees is the brand, whatever the brand is, whether it's, it's moms for America, Pernellas County or moms for Liberty or moms in action, whatever it is, we encourage them to make it about moms and make it about local get the same t-shirt, everybody get it. And then, and then they see the same person, even though they're different people. That's a powerful thing, very simple thing to do. But then we are there all the time from the beginning of the meeting to the end of the meeting. Right. You've heard the adage that, um, and I can't remember who said it, but it, but if they won't vote for me, then I'll just import new voters basically. And I think yeah. that one of the things that we need to focus on is we need to replace the people who are voting on the school board the wrong way. They're not voting for the kids. They're voting for power. And those right. people need to be replaced because they, because, because they shouldn't be in seats of power. Kimberly Fletcher, um, you, have a, you have at least one big event coming up. Tell us about that quickly and then we have to go. Yeah, we do. So we have our Mom Rise Conference. It's going to be in 
Orlando, Florida, October 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. We have great speakers. Lee Greenwood is kicking it off. You're one of our awesome speakers who's going to be there, you and Kevin. And um, this is an opportunity for us to unite together as, as mothers, daughters, sisters, friends, coming together in the spirit of sisterhood to stand united and declare that truth is truth is self-evident. Family matters. Freedom is worth fighting for. And, and we will give the tools, the resources that, that moms need to be effective in their own homes and communities. And I promise you will come, be informed, encouraged, and you will leave empowered. That's awesome. Kimberly Fletcher for Moms for America. You can go to momsforamerica.org for more information on all, everything that we talked about, including the Moms Rise Conference that's coming up in Orlando at the first weekend in October. And I will be there. Thanks so much for coming on the Sam Sorbo Show. And welcome to the Sam Sorbo Show, or welcome back, I should say. My guest now is Jen Showalter. She is a school board candidate. Uh, she's running for school board in Palm Beach County, District 6. And there's some amazing things that just happened at the recent school board meeting, which I did not attend, but I've seen video and I've heard stories and you're going to hear a couple stories right now. Jen Showalter, thanks for, thanks for joining me on the Sam Sorbo show. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me back. It's a real pleasure. Yeah. So you were just at the meeting. One of the things I'll just kick it off. You, You sent me the school superintendent, literally saying that he, that they were just going to make up their own rules from now on. They weren't even going to follow CDC guidelines because those are out because they're making their own rules. And this is the same guy who just voted to, to disobey, uh, disobey, to con to contrast uh, what uh, our great governor had said that, that there shouldn't be any mandates in the schools. Palm beach County just said, you know what? That was that was a poor suggestion that we refused to take. And they just mandated masks all throughout uh, uh, Palm Beach County schools. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, I'll actually quote it to you. And if anybody wants to look at it, it's public record. You can go to the Palm Beach County School District website and take a look at it. He said at the end of the meeting, quote, we say that we're going to adhere to different uh, protocols, including the Department of Health. CDC, state and local guidelines. You may want to strike that whole paragraph at this point. Insert other members giggling. We're making up our own rules. He chuckles. Yeah. And that that is a direct quote. And you can go to the website and look at it for yourself. In fact, when he said you may want to strike that whole paragraph, they were laughing. They were laughing. We're making up our own rules to tell people what to do. Yeah. Oh, and and, um, District 3, Karen Brill is on record also saying, this is past our bedtimes. I need that martini. Yeah, well, sometimes sometimes you do need a martini when you're making rules for other people to obey. Right, right. So why should we... Tell me me about some of the speakers at the school board meeting. And and I'm like, I'm on a crusade now to encourage people to go to school board meetings because... It's a show, folks. Like it's it's entertaining and scary, uh, but it, but it is entertaining. It's it's dinner and a show. Like have your dinner, go to the school board meeting for the show because the people who speak from both sides of the aisle, uh, frankly, there's some cray cray out there too, right? Let's just say there's a wide range of opinions and <laughs> methods of delivery. Let's put it that way. 
Um, yeah, well, it's also a dinner and a sideshow just being there because I was locked out of the building when I arrived. The police officer stuck his head out to say, no one is allowed in the building until a few minutes before the meeting. And I said, well, I've been coming here for a really long time and we are allowed in the unvaccinated room in the courtyard. Not anymore. We were all forced to uh, provide medical information, have our temperature checked, have um, a hand sanitizer. And if you did not wear a proper mask, you were given a mask or you were escorted out. So that was the first hoop you had to get through. Um, but yeah, there's there's a, a teacher there. Her name's Ashley. She's amazing. And I really encourage you guys. Um, I've posted her uh, speech. Her husband spoke as well. Their children spoke. And they are standing up not only for the rights of the children, but for the rights of the staff. And they brought up some very valid points. And of course... All the, all the science that we give them, all the personal testimonies of how this affects the students and the staff are completely and utterly ignored. And not only that, they actually ridicule you. Um, and that's on file too. So I encourage everybody to do a deep dive back into the recorded board, board meeting uh, uh, videos because you're going to find a lot of things to be able to bring up and question. Yeah, but the, here's the thing. So they're not following the science. They don't care about science. I mean, this is a bigger, this is a much bigger story than just, oh, school board. And, you yeah. know, years ago, uh, we were talking about, I don't, I don't know if you re- remember, but uh, before my time, when we were sort of under threat of nuclear holocaust, mm-hmm. the idea was if there was, a, if there was the threat of a nuclear attack, uh, it was a duck under your desks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one day I had this epiphany that duck under your de- everybody understands today. Like you, you look at the videos, the the old time movie reels, whatever uh, you know, news reels of the kids ducking under the desk to show. Okay, this is how you behave. You duck under your desk, and we laugh because obviously, in in the case of a nuclear attack, that's absurd. Like that's not going to do anything. Why right. would they even do that? Right. And I forgive me little bit paranoid. I'm, I'm a little bit parent. I guess I should admit it finally. Right. And people yeah. know this about me. Um, that was conditioning the child to be a coward. That literally was conditioning the child viscerally in his body. Every time they did that drill, this is how you surrender. This is how you abdicate your personal authority. This is how you comply. And right. that really is what our schools are about now. And so if you think this has anything to do with masks or health and safety, right. you're wrong. It right. doesn't. And, the, and the, the blinders should be off at this point. So, you know, I, I applaud the parents that are going and fighting these things. Like in, in my previous um, interview, I was talking about critical race theory, Jen, and mm-hmm. 1619 Project and Common Core, which, oh, we thought we beat Common Core. No, we didn't. It's in the textbooks. They didn't go and rewrite all the textbooks and then sell a whole bunch more textbooks. Common Core was implemented for two reasons. One, to teach compliance, to teach things that are that are against the parents, to separate the child from the parents, and two, to sell textbooks because the old textbooks have to be outdated somehow. And we know history hasn't changed 
unless you change it. And so they changed it and they said, oh, we've been teaching the wrong history all this time. There's a new history to teach. There's a new way to teach reading. And, and it's absurd. This is all about conditioning people for compliance. Right. Even the teaching methods, um, it, the, the learn to test method, it's stimulus response, stimulus response. What do we see going around us right now? You have the social emotional learning where you're not teaching facts. You're, you're focusing on emotions. How does this make you feel? How does this make other people feel? It actually shuts down the right side of your brain. You can't even have an argument with somebody because of how it makes you feel. What do we see going around us? all around us. We are seeing the byproduct of this indoctrination that's been in our system for decades right now. So what's the solution? Overhaul the system. We need a complete overhaul. We need to get uh, people in office that includes state and local and the school boards that are going to uphold the constitution. They're going to uphold historically accurate curriculum we need to eliminate indoctrination. The whole point of the kids going to school is education, not indoctrination. Oh, wait, I thought it was socialization. It's yeah, not. Right, right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, that's the thing is when you teach kids what to think, not how to think, they won't question what you do. Right. And that's, that's what we do, right? And the right. thing is that the parents think, well, that's good because then they'll obey me. Not so fast because they're taught that you're dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, is what we're finding is when we articulate an argument and the other side can't uh, respond, all they do is just personal attacks. So, you and know, the, you're and, over the and, part. And, and the new socio-emotional learning, right? What, what is it called? Yeah, social, social emotional learning, SEL. So, right. Social mm-hmm. emotional learning. Uh, that conditions them to feel righteous in not arguing because they're so upset. Right. So it's exactly. their, it's, it's their response to you. That is their defense. I just feel this way. I must be right. Right. And you're going, but the facts like, like the sky is blue. No, it's not. I feel like the sky is green today, but it's not green. It's demonstrably blue. Right. no, uh, the, my feelings trump facts, and they don't. And as Ben uh, Ben Shapiro likes to say, uh, facts don't care about your feelings. <laughs> and my rights don't end where your feelings begin. Yeah, that's a good one. And and you know, case in point, you know, they were talking about the Department of Health. Well, here's the notice of emergency rule from the Department of Health, and it's signed by the State Surgeon General. I've highlighted. All the wording, because words are important and they have meaning. And according to the Department of Health and the State Surgeon General, students should be encouraged encouraged to practice hand washing. They should stay home if they're sick. They should stay home if they were around possible exposure. But your point is these are recommendations, not mandates, right? Right. The The only mandate was they shall not be harassed or have discriminatory treatment. And you know what? I read that to the board last night. Yeah, that's not a mandate either. That's also a should. 
Right. So it's not and, mandates. And, but here's the thing. There is no such thing as a mandate in the United States of America. They're making up the rules as they go. And it's right. high time that people stood up and said, you will not make up rules for me. My child has a right to be in school. You may not require a mask, period. My child has a right to be in school. I pay my taxes. My child is invited to participate in school. My child will not wear a mask because you cannot enforce this rule. It is a mandate that is unenforceable. Right. Exactly. And in our, our student code of conduct, they have a right to go to school. Right. But then they okay, say, Jen Showalter, yeah. uh, where can people find you to support you? Sure. Um, they can go to www.votegenpbsd, short for Palm Beach School District.com. And I am on Twitter. I am on Telegram, Facebook, uh, Insta. So pretty much yeah. anywhere. So Rumble. The- at least follow her on Twitter and on Facebook. And uh, thank you so much for coming on the Sam Sorbo show. It's great to see oh, you thank again. Thank you so much. I really appreciate having you and uh, being here. And I appreciate everything you do. Thank All right. You so this much. is the Sam Sorbo show. Quick break. And I will be right back. And welcome back to the Sam Sorbo show. I am now joined by a dear friend of mine, someone I've known for quite a long time. He is uh, British born. He's Hungarian American and he's a military and intelligence analyst, and uh, he worked in the White House with President Trump for a good time. But now he hosts his own show on Salem Network. Seb Gorka joins me. Welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Sam. Great to be back. <laughs> it's always great to hear your voice, as you well know. In fact, I think when you first came on my show years ago, That was the one thing I was like, oh, my gosh, just keep talking, Seb. I don't care what you read the phone book. (laughs) So remember, it's all it's all in the accent. It's all in the accent. It it is. You know, in fact, in Hollywood, they say, well, he's got a British accent. He must be a good actor. (laughs) No, the the best thing is when people say that accent makes you sound so smart and they don't realize what they're saying. It means you're actually dumber than you sound, but don't worry about it. It's okay. Well, it does make you sound smart. No, I'm kidding. Uh, it, but, it, but, but you sound smart anyway. Despite the accent, you still sound smart. How about that? So Seb Gorka, uh, the reason that I wanted to talk to you today, and thank you for taking time out from your vacation. Otherwise, Seb would be live on the air right now, but he's on vacation, so I grabbed him. No, 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 no. I, no, I, I am still, I, I am on vacation, but I'm still broadcasting. My show is three to six Eastern every day. So uh, I, I'm in, I'm in the Northern Kingdom, but I found a local radio station. So I guess it's not exactly a vacation, but I will be broadcasting today, three to six, sebgorka.com. It is uh, America first. So it's a kind of half vacation, I guess. All right. My bad. I, I misunderstood. But thank you. That's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, yes, you should be listening to Seb Gorka on the Salem Network. Um, OK, I want to talk about Afghanistan. It's a cluster over mm-hmm. there. It's a disaster. Yeah. And Biden came out and said, well, you know, this is because of Trump's policies and we couldn't change anything uh, with with regards to Afghanistan, with Trump's policies. He, he I've rescinded. He's rescinded so much of what Trump did through executive order. uh, But now this one, he can't do anything about. 
Yeah, so that's just a lie. I mean, he came into office and he started destroying what we built the very first day uh, of the inauguration from uh, destroying, dissolving the 1776 commission to uh, making at least 10,000 Americans lose their job by canceling the Exile Keystone Pipeline to um, stopping the sanctions we put in place on Russia uh, when it came to the Nord Stream Pipeline from Russia to, to Germany. So that's a lie. I mean, there's a reason we have elections. Uh, the policies change when there is a new commander-in-chief. And on top of that, uh, it's a double lie because what we are witnessing in Kabul is nothing to do with what President Trump had planned. A, he had a, as he gave uh, in that excellent interview he did three nights ago, uh, President Trump was clear we had put in place a conditions-based withdrawal, that there would be conditions that would have to be met before we would leave Afghanistan. And the idea, I mean, just the utter asinine idea that you don't, you can't protect the embassy and the airport at the same time. We are the most powerful nation the world has ever seen. We have 12 nuclear aircraft carriers. We have thousands of nuclear warheads. We, we have more special forces under American control than most nations have soldiers. And the idea that you are hearing right now from this, this feckless coward, Austin, Austin, Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, and this PC snowflake and uh, disgrace to the U.S. military in the uniform he wears, Mark Melly, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, this, this, this idea that, oh, we, we can't defend the embassy uh, and, and, and the airport at the same time, as, as British forces a far, far smaller nation with a far smaller military is actually going out into the countryside to rescue their, not just their nationals, but the nationals of the Republic of Ireland as well. It is a disaster. It is worse than Carter. At least Carter had four years to destroy America's reputation around the world and get us involved in the Iranian hostage siege. This senile, doddering old husk of a man has done it in seven months. And we have potentially, think about this, Sam, the American government doesn't know whether we have 11,000 Americans trapped in Afghanistan or 40,000. That is potentially 40,000 hostages that are at the mercy of bloodthirsty theocratic dictators who, who provided succor and aid to al-Qaeda. It, 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 it's, it's a disaster. We're seven months in. And it is an epic geopolitical disaster. And one man is responsible, that, that creepy old hair-sniffing git who is hiding in Delaware on a long weekend because I, I, guess, uh, I guess we don't need a president while 40,000 Americans are taken hostage. It's, you know, what's amazing is the reaction of the press while the president is virtually MIA, absent, uh, and the press is like, well, that's because it's his vacation. So it's just normal that he wouldn't be around. We have a we have an entire country that is toppling. We have military resources that we committed to that area that we are leaving behind. And I've seen the reports of the military assets that we literally are just turning over to them. This idea that we that um, that we they couldn't take off the the Afghan uh, pro-U.S. forces couldn't defend, couldn't take off because Biden restricted their access to maintenance crew, maintenance personnel for our aircraft. They, they've 
They've set it up. It's like it's on purpose, Seb. Yeah, no, it's it's not it's not on purpose. You always have to buy Occam's razor. Uh, don't go for the convoluted explanation when the simplest uh, is is far more likely. What well, what we are seeing, and I've seen this from the inside. But, you know, don't forget, I, I actually was a DOD civilian. I taught uh, irregular warfare and counterterrorism as a professor at National Defense University when Obama was president and and this creepy old guy was vice president. This is the result of a deadly, deadly combination. It is rank arrogance with massive ignorance. I mean, just huge. When you have have Ned Price, the State Department spokesman, when when you have the national, the pencil-necked national security advisor, Jake Sullivan, who's never had a real job in his life, the last thing he did, the last thing the national security advisor did was deputy chief of staff for Hillary Clinton in the State Department covering up her crimes. When these individuals actually say that they don't know how many people are trapped in Afghanistan, when they say, they, this is not a joke, you can watch the video, your listeners need to go find the video, when they say, well, um, we expect the Taliban to have an inclusive government that will respect human rights and include women in the cabinet. These people are, 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 are so deluded, are you st- so deluded by their own, yes, by their own political correctness. This is the Taliban that murders you if you are a Christian, if you're a Jew, if you're a Muslim who disagrees with them. This is the Taliban that, by the way, gave help to bin Laden when he planned the deadliest terror attack in human history, the September 11th attacks uh, 20 years ago. And let me just one metric, one metric, Sam, for your listeners. The Taliban today controls more of Afghanistan than they did 20 years ago when they helped bin Laden execute September 11th. This, This is the most kind of ironic, tragic part of it uh, 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 completely. This is the 20th. Next month is the 20th anniversary of September the 11th. And the Taliban is stronger than they were 20 years ago. And they now have our weapons, Sam. They have American weapons. And I have it. I've spoken to a friend of mine, counterterrorism expert. There are Al-Qaeda terrorists flooding into Afghanistan right now. Whilst we can't get our people out, AQ is flooding into Taliban-controlled Afghanistan. Uh, yeah, and, and um, I want to quote here from Daniel Greenfield. He wrote, he wrote, quote, I want to understand white rage, and I'm white. That's General Mark Milley. He's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And that he whined at a congressional hearing. And Greenfield writes, he might have done better to understand Muslim rage. Yeah, so this is this is this is um, I witnessed this when I was in the Defense Department. We now have a class of general officers, of flag officers, who are a disgrace to their uniform, a disgrace to the oath of office they took, who are politically pandering hacks. Mark Milley is the most senior military officer in the most powerful nation in America, and when he goes to Capitol Hill last month and he says, uh, "Critical," crit- I don't know exactly what critical race theory is. 
uh, but it's really important, and I'm fine with it being on the syllabus of West Point, the most prestigious military academy in the world. And then he says, it's important because I'm white, and I need to understand the white rage that caused January the 6th. This is, this is an embarrassment. He should have been cashed. If this were, you know, if, if this were a prior administration, if this had been Eisenhower, Truman, that man would have been horsewhipped out of Capitol Hill, cashiered and put in the brig before he finished his testimony. These are the people running our military today and people need to wake up. Yeah. All right. So we're going to take a quick break here. But before uh, before we take the break, I want to talk about your book, uh, Why We Fight, because that's really I mean, this this book is so current right now. Why We Fight Defeating America's Enemies, um, because let's face it, they're getting stronger. We're getting weaker and it's we're doing it to ourselves. Well, look, uh, the, the, you know, the, the state of the nation, if you want to know why we got where we are today, you have to look in the mirror. It's because conservatives uh, didn't step up to the plate because we allowed the radical left neo-Marxists to take over our culture. So the second book I wrote, Why We Fight Defeating Our Enemies With No Apologies, uh, was published after I left the White House. I go chapter by chapter uh, listing all the threats we face, whether it's China, ISIS, the Taliban, North Korea, Russia, and what it's going to take to defeat them. And then when I realized the threat is is as much an internal one as it is an external one, I I wrote my latest book, which is The War for America's Soul, where I talk about how it is that we are in a place today where more than 60% of American millennials say they would prefer to live in a communist or socialist America, how this is an 80-year project how the radicals have taken over academe, the schools, media, Hollywood, the mainstream and legacy media. And, and it's time for conservatives to wake up because they truly wish to dismantle America. So if you want to know the external threats, it's why we fight. If you want to understand the internal threats, it's my latest book, The War for America's Soul. So in just a minute, I'm going to talk with you about the internal threats and the war for America's soul. For everybody, you can go to sebgorka.com to get all this information and a lot more. Um, Seb's a very active patriot in the United States. I think we all know that. So quick break here. The rest of this interview will be up at sorbos.locals.com. Bear with me. And for those of you on radio and podcast, I'll be right back after a short break. Welcome back to the Sam Sorbo Show. I'm going to go through some emails, and then I have a very funny story to share with you to finish out the show. So uh, thank you for joining me for samsorbo.com. Um, so the first email here is on my uh, video, Dividing Parties, Slavery, and Breaking Out of Quarantine. Um, Jeff writes in, I completely agree with you. The Democrat voters are severely misguided slash ignorant. I would know I used to be one. I was a diehard Democrat voter until they told us that Hillary is the best we have to offer America. I was already waking up halfway through the Obama-Biden second term, but the Hillary candidacy was what shook me out of my days. That's when I learned that the entire DNC does not care about the people or the country. Really, it wasn't when they voted to reinstate God, even though most of the people booed that and they decided to do it anyway because that's what they wanted for their PR people. Anyway, hey, welcome to the welcome to the club. I love it. He said he was hesitant to vote for Trump the first time, but he did. And then 
Trump earned his vote the following uh, the following election. He says he wasn't perfect by any means, but he was 100 times better than any person the left tried to give us and 10 times better than any person the right has tried to give us in my lifetime, with the exception of Ron Paul. (laughs) All righty. Weirdo. (laughs) I'm kidding. Hey, you know, it takes all kinds. I'll, I'll take I'll take what I can get when somebody joins the fold and understands uh, some of the corruption. Uh, it's better than none. This one is about um, media bias and the American education system. Uh, great show. It is beyond frightening to hear what is being taught at some of our schools and universities. I'm a former elementary school teacher who taught in both a private and a public school. And I am so upset by this. I left the classroom years ago because I felt to create a collection of children's stories and lessons which teach kids character and values and how kids can better manage negative emotions. I hope people realize that not every educator agrees or supports the ideas that are being promulgated in our schools. And to that end, of course, I do my show. So please go check out Epoch TV, E-P-O-C-H-T-V.com and uh, look for my show, Schools Out with Sam Sorbo. Uh, because I'm trying to re-equip, well, not re-equip, equip parents um, with the understanding of how to how to bring their children home, how to parent them, how to see to it that they are educated, and uh, and uh, get that done. All right, I'm going to take a, a quick thing because Zeb Gorka is joining me again. So I'm going to see if we can get him back on the program, even though we can't see him. He is on vacation, but um, but if he can join us, that would be great. And uh, I can do the rest of this later, although uh, I do have a very funny story to tell you all um, at the end of the show. Seb Gorka, are you back again? Oh, his audio is connecting. Um, he's over. He's across the pond, he says. Although, do we believe him? I think he's hiding out at a bunker somewhere. Seb Gorka, can you hear me? I can. Hello. And there you are. We lost you for for a while, and I thought that was going to be it, but you're back. I'm back, yeah. We were talking about what Americans can do, and uh, it's about cleaving to the truth, always speaking the truth, and then running for local office. That's how we're going to take America back, uh, one, one district at a time. Yes. And it, it, here's the thing. It, it requires all of us. This is a union, right? And in order to form a more perfect union, people need to get involved. The left understood that. They got very involved yes. because they're on a mission to destroy this. But we ought to be on a mission of truth. We ought to be on a mission of, of uh, goodness, Right. Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's, I know what it's like. I mean, everybody's busy. We, we believe in, in individualism. We, we, we're not collectivists like the left. So we want to just live our lives, pay, pay the car payment at the end of the month. But it's not enough to just live our lives and then listen to talk radio or tune into Newsmax of an evening. If you want to save America, you have to get engaged. You have to be part of the solution. These people, everybody asks me, how did we get here? These people hate America. They think America is the problem. They are in power and they will dismantle it, whether it is the border regime we built 
that they have willingly taken apart with 6,000 illegal aliens crossing the border every single day, 2 million in this calendar year. Now it, it will include uh, uh, quote-unquote Afghan refugees we know nothing about, or wh- whether it is the, the dismantling of our military capabilities by turning our armed forces woke. This nation is in dire, dire need of patriots. So guys, if you're listening to Sam right now, get involved. If you can't run for local office for any reason, and it better be a good reason, support somebody who is running for local office, and we will win. We've already won. Thanks to our Lord and Savior, we've already won, but we've got to take back America. Yeah. And, you know, one of the problems, Seb, is that people don't know how to get involved. They're like, well, I want to get involved, but where do I go? So just reach out, try to find your local Republican organization, your local conservative organization, find people who are already involved, find out where your school board is meeting, go to the meeting, meet people like it's up to you. But but in school, we're taught to sit still and take what's given to us. And so we're not taught how to really how to go research and how to go find out stuff and figure out how to get stuff done. We used to be a nation of entrepreneurs, but now we're a nation of workers. One, one last thing, and I'll, I'll leave this. Uh, I'll leave you with this to, to kind of energize uh, all of your listeners. And this is from a, a former colleague of mine at Breitbart, Raheem Kassam. In in the United States, we, we always complain about oh the rhinos, oh the GOP. In the United States, less than half of the local positions in the Republican Party are empty. And I, I don't mean the tough ones like precinct captain that in, involves a lot of work. I just mean the volunteer jobs that allow us to win elections. More than 50% of them are empty. So don't sit at home, bitch and moan about how powerful the Democrats are and how weak the GOP is. Get involved and we will take over the GOP. We will stop them. We'll get Donald Trump back in the White House in 2024 and we will have one more shot. But it is up to us. Find out more. Read the very inspirational exclusive interview I had with President Trump that is the appendix to my last book, um, the War for America's Soul. You can get everything related to what we're doing at America First at sebgorka.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, sebgorka.com. And don't forget, it's not just a daily radio show uh, like Sam. I also have my weekly TV program on Newsmax called the Gorka Reality Check. 7 p.m., 10 p.m. Eastern every Sunday. This Sunday's episode is going to be amazing. You do not want to miss it, and you can watch it for free. If you don't have Newsmax on your cable service, just download the app, and you can watch it for free. Uh, Sam, keep doing what you're doing, and thank you for, for what, 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 what you and Kevin are doing and your son are, are doing every day. Thanks. It's great. It's great to have you here. Next time I want to see your face. We will make it happen when I'm not in the midst of the when I'm not in the middle of the forest of New Hampshire and I have a better connectivity. We'll make it happen. There we go. Oh, you're New Hampshire. Okay. Thanks for joining us, Seb Gorka from vacation. I'm so honored uh, that he joined us here. Um, So thanks for joining us on the Sam Sorbo show. Okay, back to this. Um, I promised you a funny article. Did you know that uh, that uh, climate change is going to make your is going to affect your sex, your sex life? Climate change is going to affect your sex life. And so I will get into that in just a minute. I have time for, let's see, one more of these. 
Um, well, I marked this one. So Jessica writes, I would like to add to the conversation about knowing what your kids are reading at school. When my children went to public school, they had books that got brought home from the school library and books that had to remain at the child's desk. So even if you are proactive, you will still not be able to know everything they pick up from the school library. She found that out when she pulled them out from public school and the teacher thought that her child had accidentally brought home his desk book, desk in quotations, his desk book. Knowing a few titles that are available in the school library, this made me very nervous. My friend recently received an old book that was sold to her by a school library that was about a young girl wishing to have intimacy with the alpha of a wolf pack. She was being raised by the pack and was jealous of the female wolves. That was considered reading for nine and 12 year old, nine to 12 year olds. And then this one, Angela writes, I love this one. So bear with me. I pulled my children out of public school this year. I had been wanting to do so for a few years, but I was afraid because I'm a single mom and I wasn't sure if I could work and school them. Isn't it funny how it works out sometimes because of COVID I was laid off from my job and got a part-time job at a grocery store working morning hours. I was able to take my kids out of school and teach them in the afternoons. And I have never been so glad that I did. There is no way I would send them back now. And I love this because she wrote, she wrote, isn't it funny how God works sometimes? So good for you. I'm proud of you. And, uh, you know, people say, well, both parents work. Yeah, take the night shift. Go ahead and work. So you had kids. Step up to the plate. Oh, I sound really nasty, don't I? Okay, never mind. Climate change is going to affect your your sex life. Trust me, it says here, your penis will be smaller. Most men will be infertile by 2045. Our sex drives drop when it's hot. Are you kidding me? This is uh, from Sky News. Becky Cotterill is a correspondent. She says climate change is going to uh, affect your sex life. There's a sex educator they talked to. Her name is Jimenikia Jimenikia Eborn. Some people can't handle the heat, she writes. They are not going to want to be touched. They are not going to want to be bothered. What does that affect? Sex. How about they move north? Maybe they shouldn't live so far south. She says also affecting men's fertility, sperm count levels have dropped over 50% in the past four decades. Well, that's not climate change. That might be pollution, might be toxins in the air. She says some scientists believe most men will be infertile by 2045. Some scientists are idiots. I'm just saying. Uh, Climate activists include uh, uh, these scientists. They warn Oh, sorry. Climate activists, including the UN IPPC, IPCC scientists, warn about overpopulation, but they warn that climate change will, re- will reduce re- reproduction of humans and pop- possibly make us in- extinct. Well, what are they worried about? They worry about overpopulation, but then they're warning us, hey, be careful because you won't be having as much sex and then it, it might lead to, you know what? Get a life. I mean, these people are such idiots. So that's how they, that's how they, I know it's clickbait. I thought it was funny. I'm using the clickbait on my show. Uh, but they show, they show like a grapher, a graphic, fewer males equals less choice. Really? Well, I guess their, their readership is female or something. 
She says sea turtles bury their eggs in the sand. The temperature of the sand affects the sex of their children. Cooler sands creates male turtles. And so climate change is going to affect the sea turtles. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe they'll dig deeper. Maybe, maybe not. They don't know anything. They literally make stuff up just to raise fear. And I was very fearful. What? It's going to affect my sex life? I need more information. (laughs) All right. So that's it for me. This is the Sam Sorbo Show. Thanks so much for joining me. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.